0: what does it mean messiah matters It means apart from him we can do nothing it means he is the way the truth and the life yeshua is the only way of salvation
1: he is everything We have to have the Tanakh to know the Messiah. But we
0: have to have the Messiah to know the Tanakh. Without Messiah, we have nothing.
1: Basically, it's all about the Messiah. It's Wednesday, October 10th, 2018. This is Messiah Matters, number 237. Forgetting to turn on my other computer, not even in the chat room yet. My name is Caleb Haig. And with me, educating students one long online class at a time, Rob Van
0: Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going, man? Going well. We're rolling here into our first quarter, fall, fall quarter of our 2018-2019 school year. And it is... Such a blessing. (laughs) And I'm excited. Pardon me. I'm a very encouraged, I I try to be an encouraging teacher, especially with Greek, you know, got a lot of students enthusiastic about learning Greek, but it's like, okay, you know, in our first year Greek, this is one thing I pointed out last night in our first online class in Mounts' book, we use Mounts' uh, uh, basics of biblical Greek, right? So for the first quarter we our goal is the first 14 chapters. Well Mount's really in a really cool way. he gives statistics for how much progress you're making right. and there's a there's about 140,000 words in the New Testament. so about 140,000 if you just sat and counted, right 140,000 right Well if you do just first quarter Greek and just stop there you will you will have done two-thirds of that vocabulary you would already know. And it's all nouns, of course. It's but you'd know, you'd know, you know how to identify a noun, what its gender is, unless what its you're case Caleb Hag, <laughs> what it means. <laughs> What's that? Unless you're Caleb Hag. Unless well, no, this is. I mean, if you if you learn, I think there's 169 vocab words. The difficulty though is that it's not. That's not the only thing you're learning. You're also learning the language of grammar. Right. Like We don't. You know, in English, we don't think about case endings and you know, all this kind of stuff. So there's another language of, of Greek grammar that we have to learn. And then that involves dredging up what we know from English, like what's a noun, what's a subject, what's a verb, etc. So we have to kind of know all those parts of speech. So anyway, so, but it's good. It's all so
1: I, I apologize to everyone in the chat room. I just got in there. It's good to see everybody in there. Welcome everyone in the chat room. I want to welcome everyone on YouTube, uh, whether you're live or whether you're watching this later. Everyone on TR Radio, if people didn't know this, and you know, obviously it's a good time to say that uh, this show is brought to you by TorahResource.com. Torah Resource has a 24-7, uh, 365 online radio station. You can listen to it anytime, um, and the goal of the radio station is actually to bring uh, uh, one Torah and uh, uh, good... Scholarly teaching to the body of the Messiah. Now uh, there is music that gets uh, that fills in all of the uh, all of the time when there's not a lecture being played. So there is music on there too. But um, it, it, we roll through a lot of the different teachings, audio teachings that are are presented on TorahResource.com. dot com. So um, if you haven't checked it out, you can certainly go do that. And, uh, and then also a big hello to everyone listening on uh, p- podcast forums. If you uh, maybe you don't know this either, but we uh, present this show on iTunes and Blurberry and all the other, you know, Google Play and all that kind of stuff. So
0: now, the Google, do those other podcast formats have video or are they audio only? It's audio only. And so that's, that's why I, okay. I try to
1: explain, you know, if we're, uh, if we're, you know, if I give quote marks or something like that. I try to uh, I try to let people know that I'm doing that, so that the people who are, pardon me, are are listening, audio only, still get to uh, to understand what's going on. Um, Yeah, so we have a jam packed show today. This is actually going to be interesting. Give me just one second. I got to do this. Cough button right there. Okay, um, we have a jam packed show today, and the reason why is because we actually got some. Uh, once again, you know, our our uh, our phone line is becoming a hot target for uh, our listeners. They like going to our our phone line and calling it. And I think one of the reasons why is because you don't actually have to talk to us. Exactly. Right. right? Uh, it's just a message machine, um, and you don't. You know, you can tell us whatever you want. You can ask us whatever you want. It's no big deal. Um, so, um, and we should let everyone know you can call in 253 465 3205. It's 253 465 3205. Send us email, resource.com. I'm going to make this really short today. A big shout out to all of our executive producers and associate producers. Um, I've been asked questions about this recently, and basically the, uh, the end all of it is it's just a fun way for us to try to say thank you to people who donate uh, you know, larger amounts um, in given periods. And so uh, that's basically all it is. It's a, a way for us to say thank you. Um, but you get some nice stuff, including a uh, you know a, a mug and stuff like that. Anyway, so big thank you to everyone who has, uh, has a producer credit. And also a big thank you to all of our supporters. Okay, with all that said, let's jump right in. I think that it's, uh, I think we have enough uh, going for this show that uh, I would be surprised if we make it to all of it, which is good. I know, yeah. That's actually one of my favorite things that uh, if, if this show, and yes, we do look like twins today. <laughs> yeah. Oh hey yeah we do. Let's let's answer let's answer some questions in the uh, chat room real quick because we're always grateful for the people who join us live. Uh, to Helen, yes, there are updates on uh, Messiah Matters for kids, and it's actually going to be called Kids Think. Kids Think Messiah Matters, and uh, so my son and I have talked a little bit about some of the segments we're going to do. We the biggest problem that we've had is figuring out how to record it, um, and the reason why is because. I don't want to do a split screen like Rob and I do. Rob's in, in a different part of the state. He's uh, five hours, five and a half hours away from me right now. Um, and so I figured if my son's even be,
0: Even farther if I have to walk.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, so my son's going to be in the same room, right? So why have a split screen you know, and try to do the same setup? I thought about that for a really long time. And then um, this last, uh, actually two days ago... I did some tests with a video camera and some lighting. Actually, people probably can't notice. I can notice, but uh, my lighting system is totally different today. And one of the reasons why is because I'm testing out how it'll look if I, instead of having to uh, move all these different lights every single week, if I can just do, you know, one light, move one light or something like that. So I've have a totally different light set up today. And. uh I think we're going to try to start recording maybe even as soon as tomorrow. And what we would do is we would record a bunch, uh, at, you know, a bunch of different segments, and then we would kind of edit them together. It wouldn't be live necessarily. We might actually uh, broadcast it live though. So that would be fun because then we could actually uh, take comments and stuff like that.
0: So, anyway, um, that's the update on that.
1: And yeah. We're... I was just
0: noticing that, I, it, back to the chat room, I was just looking at all the, the different places where, where people have posted. Uh, that, that's uh, a lot of East Coast, uh, or at least Eastern time zone. right? Um, so it's like noon lunchtime for people. So this is awesome. Wouldn't it be cool to have like a map of the world and then people like... Post it would be cool. We so actually
1: we got a we got a call, got a call uh, this last week from uh, a brand new listener. She's been listening for three days. She said, but she was she said she was hooked, and uh, so she's she's listening in France. Six thirty six thirty p.m. is six thirty p.m. in France. Hey, that's cool. So it's like nighttime, right? We're like we're like prime time, man. Wow. <laughs> we need to we need to market our our show in France what we
2: should do
0: <laughs> i cannot speak french though <laughs> Neither can but I, we man. have we have we have uh uh we know scholars who do french right
1: well we, yeah i mean andre is we've had andre on the show before and uh andre's yeah bonois right yeah yeah so anyway um okay enough chit chat let's go to you ready to talk about the
0: heart Yeah. Okay. So this. Did comes... you did you get those? I, I sent you a couple Bible verses. Did you get those?
1: Yeah, they're in the show notes. Oh, sweet. I also promoted the, uh, and we'll we'll promote this in a few minutes because this will, will actually tie into something we're going to talk about. Okay. So this is a call that we got. I think I believe the the gentleman's name is Kenny. It was a little hard. Our our phone kind of cut out on him. You know when he was talking both times, which is unfortunate. Uh, anyway, uh, this was uh, now. I have, to, I have to usually cut these down. Okay. So I've edited uh, Kenny's call only to try to make it uh, short enough, shorter, um, and arable. And uh, so if I'm getting your name wrong, then I apologize. I didn't want to say your last name, but uh, all right, here you go. So this is actually a little bit longer, but I want to give everyone the real feel of what uh, I believe Kenny is saying here. So, and actually, this is two separate messages spliced together. He called twice uh, for a clarification point as well. So thank you for this message. This is a good one. One of the things he said uh, is that man— I should—hang uh, on. I'm sorry. Let me give a little more setup. Uh, what he's talking about here is my father's article—my father's notes on the Parashah. For those who don't know, Torah Resource, one of, our main, uh, one of the, the main things that we try to do is serve up um, uh, notes on each week's Parashah. We go by a three-year cycle here at Torah Resource. A lot of people go by a one year cycle, but everyone just rolled over. If you're on the f- one year or the three year, you just rolled over to Genesis 1 1. And so, right, right, my, my, exactly. And my father's notes, uh, Tim Haig, his notes are up on TorahResource.com. And this is his notes on Genesis 1 1. And this is what Kenny is talking about. Let's listen to it.
2: One of the things he said uh, is that man was endowed with intellect and creative powers themselves. Mankind realizes their full purpose only when they use these powers in the service of the Creator. So far, so good. This is emphasized in the Shema. Uh, when when Israel is commanded to love Adonai with all one's heart, soul, and might. And this is the part that becomes controversial in what Tim Hagg says. He says the heart is the seat of the intellect and volition. And then he goes on to say the soul is a collective individuality with which each person is created and the might is the ability to affect others. Okay. Now I disagreed with that interpretation or that understanding. Mine is different, and I'd like to hear your comment. I don't believe the heart is the seat of the intellect. and was actually the opposite. That when, before I got saved, what was on the throne in my life was my intellect. I had to understand everything. Everything had to be controlled by my mind. And, you know, the mindset to my body You're sick or you're well. The mind was on the throne. But then I got saved. Something new happened according to Jeremiah 31, 31 to 33. The Torah now resides in my heart. The guy that I was speaking with last night during Shabbat, he said that, you know, we're constantly talking that we have to renew our minds by the word. So my intellect cannot possibly be my heart. My mind or my intellect has to be renewed by the spirit. 24-7, so, to, so that my mind gets it right.
1: Okay, so uh, that is a, uh, an edited down version of what I believe his name Kenny
0: said. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to
1: take a backseat on this that one.
0: Was from, that was from, oh, Caleb, okay, I'm getting no, uh, an echo in my ear, not sure why. Um, well, now it's gone. Um, was that just an excerpt from his first That was one band, and two. He...
1: That was one and two. Oh that was from both. Okay, I spliced cool. together right. both, right.
0: Cool. Um, sorry, I just wanted to double check on that. Okay, go. This is you, man. Oh, oh yeah. so <laughs> um, what what I'm hearing, first of all, that of course, this was two uh, much longer messages. and I loved the messages. They were uh I, I just this is this sounds like a, a brother I'd love to meet someday, Lord willing. And uh, I was just encouraging, you know, his just his attitude, his enthusiasm was just really, to me, really uh, contagious. And so I I was encouraged by that. Um, Plus, I love the the accent, uh, which maybe to him doesn't sound like an accent. But for me, being on the West West Coast, uh, I definitely hear uh, a little bit of some kind of New York or something going on. But in any event, the issue is now I don't have Tim's. He, uh, the actual quote. Um, but it, it, if you have uh, the, the handout for the parashat Bereshit that Tim did and he put out last week, and I think it's one he wrote a couple of years, years ago, ago, not necessarily yeah. just yep. recently. But it, the point is he makes a comment about the heart in Hebrew, lev, uh, pertains to intellect and volition. And my understanding is that our, the, our listener, you say Kenny or Carmi? I think it's Kenny, but I could. Uh, that he t- takes issue with that. And so I, I kind of wanted to, to uh, bring this. And I thought it was worthy for us to talk about to zero in on this word. Lave. I kind of want to come to Tim's defense a little bit to that side of it. Although I understand where, where the, the brother's coming from. And so there there are a handful of verses, Caleb shared them in the show notes, if you have the show notes, that would, in my mind, uh, be good support for where Tim's coming from in terms of intellect and volition. The first one is Genesis 6-5, right before the flood. It says, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth. And this was the very end of Parashat Bereshit. uh, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So, every yetzer or inclination, machshavot of the thoughts, libo of his lave, of his heart. So here, uh, in Genesis six five, the lave has thoughts, and the thoughts have in inclinations behind them. So you kind of see for this con- construct to work kol yetzer makshavot libo, every inclination of the thoughts of his heart, rak ra kol hayom, are only evil all the day, or continually. So from Genesis 6-5, we see that uh, we can think of a, the Lave as as uh, being composed of thoughts. Um, and there are other places too where, where this would imply speech. Like for example... Genesis 177 it says this is where uh, God renews his promise that no he's born of your own flesh it's not I it's not Ishmael it'll be Isaac uh, it says Abraham fell on his face and laughed and then it says he said in his heart be libo. he said in his heart will a child be born to a man a hundred years old right well he's laughing it's not that he verbally says this out loud but it says it's words, in his heart, in the same way, Genesis twenty-seven forty-one, Esau bore a grudge against Jacob, and he said in his heart, right, uh, Esau libo, Esau said in his heart, the days for mourning for my father are near. I will kill my brother Jacob. So that's an intention. That's not just words. That's intention. It's intention, right? I will kill my brother Jacob. That so in Esau's heart is a thought that also. Is charged with with uh, it purpose and intention to behave and act a certain way. Um, so these are some examples. Uh, another popular one that always comes to mind for me is one that we, we like to sing on so, uh, some Shabbats in Psalm 119, Beli Pizza right? In my heart, right. that's uh, I think verse 11, Beli Pizza fonti, in my lave, in my heart, I have treasured your word. Imrateka, that's from Imra, that's the word Amar. Speech. In my heart I have treasured God's words, God's speech, so that I would not sin against you. So that the intention, there's again, we have the heart associated with words, and meaningful words, that's intellect, and intention, in order that I will not sin. So there's an intention that's also in aligned there. But there's other verses. um, That we could go to you know yeshua in matthew 15 and the parallel in mark 7 says out of the heart comes evil thoughts murders adulteries fornications thefts false witness slanders right um and so my uh leaning with with the way tim explained the heart being the seat of intellect and volition and i think tim would agree he would go probably point out some of these same verses and probably others that i didn't think of um, a, another one, and because the issue of the renewed heart comes in. So, so what about, because the issue is, well, wait a minute, before I was saved, there was this other mind on the throne, right? It, and, and so the brother is contrasting unregenerated life with regenerated life. right? And so th- th- he's right on to point that out. And and so we would agree because Jeremiah seventeen says you know the heart is wicked above all things who can know it that parallels what we see from Genesis six you know that kol yetser makshavot libo kol hayom all the intents of his heart thoughts of his heart are wicked um, but we also are given a new heart and this just the last verse and then I'll kick it back to you Caleb is from okay. Galatians four it says he sent the spirit of his son into our hearts whereby we cry out abba father so we have this god spirit in our hearts whereby we cry out words and intention words abba we don't it he doesn't send the spirit of his son in our hearts and then we start worshiping a stone and call it call an idol god that's not the that then that wouldn't be god's actual spirit in our heart god's actual spirit in our heart appropriate and accurately cries out to actual to the actual creator and says abba father. So that is both words and volition and intention all packed into related to our heart. So yes we need renewal of heart. Yes we need the to new life apart from which you know we're, we we have only death and that's like the brother mentioned Jeremiah I will write my torah on their hearts. Um, this is to me the same thing This we get that down payment of the Ruach and we cry Abba father and that's legit. That is, that's new life, but it's still in that, the word lave or cardia in Greek, that's the seat of where that happening is happening from the biblical perspective.
1: So two things, uh, going on in the chat room, uh, Gary, uh, says a, uh, regenerated heart is a mindset on obedience yeah, wow. Romans eight, excellent. Right. Yeah, Romans and 8, um, Helen says, and this she's the second person to ask this. Uh, d- does anyone get all those references? Rob just used about the heart. Yeah, they're in your show notes. So if you don't, if you aren't receiving show notes, then you should because that's where I list all these kind of you know all these references and whatnot. And if you want to get show notes, go to torereource Hover over TR Radio. Go down to Messiah Matters. Click that, and then on the sidebar, on the right-hand sidebar, there's a place to sign up for show notes, and uh, we're gonna make an actual page, so I'll be able to share where to sign up for show notes in um, you know, on uh, on YouTube and whatnot, so people will be able to to just click and and sign up for show notes right there. Um, but that's that's why it's good to get show notes, is because that's what we. Those are the kind of things that I try to put in there. Um, okay, I I want to I want to plug one more thing. By the way, it's Wednesday. As I've already said, October 10th. Now, that might not mean much to uh, many people, but in this year, it's the day that my father's Ephesians class starts back up. Mm -hmm. And if you are not a part of my father's Ephesians class... I would highly recommend signing up for that class. You can go to TorahResource.com. There's a banner right on the front page. You can click on the banner or scroll through the banners until you find it. There's a place to sign up for the Ephesians class right down there right below. Um, you just click on that. You can sign up. It's totally free. It's every Wednesday night. And even if you uh, can't make it live, uh, he posts all of the uh, all of the uh, class audio and notes the next day. So, um Go sign up for my father's Ephesians class. It is fantastic. It's free, and uh, it's really a great resource. He's been, you know, this is how he went through Matthew. This is how he went through Galatians. This is how he went through, um, what a, a lot of other things, right? First uh, John, Second John, Third John, Hebrews. Um, so anyway, now he's in Ephesians, and uh, yeah, I would I would encourage you to go sign up for that. Okay, let's move on to an email that we got. This is an interesting one. And, you know, this reminds me that sometimes we, Rob and I, forget um, that some of the things that we take for granted about our theology are things that people haven't heard before. And, you know, uh, hearing some of the people this week who have called in and people who have sent emails reminds me that we have new listeners that haven't heard uh, you know, haven't been with us the whole time and, ha- you know, they haven't heard our discussions on these kind of things, that's great because I think it's good to remind people of what we believe and why we believe it and go back to the scriptures and explain those things. And it's also good for the new- newer listeners to be able to understand where we're coming from. So here's the email that was uh, sent to us. And I've actually edited just one. He he put a name in the email. I've taken that name out. I'll let you know where it is. He says, first off, I just want to say I enjoy your show and your openness to discuss topics on theology, etc. My question is Can you help me understand how Messianic Jews slash Hebrew roots interpret Matthew 5 17? Yeshua told us he is the living word, John 1. Therefore, he is the law fulfilled. Why do many live like you're under the law when Jesus is the law? I'm confused on the interpretation of fulfilling the law. And this is where I edited a name. Uh, and I've rewritten this part. He says, uh, I said, an internet teacher I've heard in the Hebrew Roots movement, end of my edit, back to his original <laughs> email, keeps claiming fulfill should be translated to do. I think this is an incorrect translation of Greek. What do you guys think? There's so much that's going on here in this email and so much that needs to be talked about. First of all, I agree that the internet teacher that y- you have heard say do, uh, the fulfill means to do. I ha- I looked in, I thought that was nonsense to begin with when I heard that. But to do, do due diligence, I went into several Greek lexicons. I looked up uh, the lengthy amount of, of this word that uh, the lexicons give r- reference to. I couldn't find do in any one of them. So the idea that uh, to fulfill means to do the law, in other words, Yeshua came to do the law, I, I don't see it. I I don't see it, and I don't think that that's correct. And um, so that, first of all, I agree 100. Uh, percent No, the Greek does not mean to do, and I don't know where that teacher
0: got that from. Okay, well, there's all- two. Yeah, there was two things. There was that point. That was the second one that stuck out to me, and we can talk about that some more too. I don't want to totally end that part, right. but the other part I don't want to forget is. I want to make sure I'm understanding what he said what he was leading with first well, of all, I'm assuming this was a guy I don't I it don't is know, yeah but, and, and and there's so but hit the point of like well Jesus is the law, so why are you, you why are you under the law or what was could you without totally abandoning this last line of thinking I yeah, want yeah, to make yeah. sure we
1: he we says well he, he says Yeshua told us he is a living word in John one, therefore he is the law fulfilled why do many the live law like fulfilled okay why do many live like they're you're under the law when Jesus is the law first of all uh, this this term under law what does that mean that does not mean to keep the law there's nowhere in the scriptures that I can find where it, it where to be under the it law means, it, it means you've failed
0: it means you're in the covenant relationship with God and you've failed in your obligation you're cursed and so you're under the curse
1: you're under the curse of the law in other words you owe you owe the penalty for doing the wrong <clears throat> those who are not under the law their penalty has been paid that doesn't look if i get an, it, it, i get a speeding ticket and i go down to the courthouse and some guy comes in and says i'll pay it strike it from the record i'll pay it as if he never did it right and the judge says okay fine i'll do that bangs the gavel now i go out does that mean I, I can drive 150 miles an hour home? No, of course not.
0: Not without consequence. Not
1: without yeah. consequence, exactly. The law still applies. It's just that I'm not under the penalty of the law. That means that I'm not going to jail for for uh, for the offense.
0: Um, well, and here here's another uh, point that maybe this, I don't know if this person's a regular listener or not, uh, why they're emailing us about this. So I don't know if they're actually hearing our discussion or not. Uh, but in back to Romans eight, we talked about Romans eight earlier. It says the, the mindset on the flesh is hostile to God, toward God. It does not; it is not subject to the law of God, and it is not able to be. Right. So, and that there's that word to be subject to the law of God is different than being under. So, being under the curse of the Torah, of course, is part of the terms of the covenant. You could also be, you're either enjoying the blessings of the covenant or the consequences of sin, which is the uh, on the curse side. But you're still a subject of God's law, right? I mean, this is what Romans 7 starts out. It's like the woman is, is she's married. She's um, subject to all the laws pertaining to being married. But if her husband dies, she's not free from the law altogether, she's still subject to the law, the law then, but she's now under a different category. Right. The The law, the laws pertaining to be a wife no longer apply to her right. because she's no longer in that legal uh, scenario, but she's still a subject to God's law as a whole. Um, and so this is a, a really important uh, milestone is grasping some of these basic ideas for someone who's at least thinking about the law. But if you just simplify to, oh, Jesus is the law. What do we gain by that? Does, because the commandment means obligation, right? I mean, that's, that's the, the basic uh, boiled down point here is that to, for, for sin to be sin, means that there was a transgression of an obligation. Right. Otherwise otherwise what what's 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 wrong with it? You know, well, you do whatever you want. There's nothing wrong with it.
1: Okay, so uh anyway, there's a couple of things there's a couple uh, well, I want to come back to this in just a second. There's a couple things in the chat room that I want to address. Um Gary says those who walk by the by the spirit fulfill the law. Same word in the Greek as Matthew five. I agree. I don't think it means to do the law. I think it means to fulfill the law. So so in other words I agree that it's the same word in the Greek, but it once again, it does not mean to do. It means to fulfill. This word fulfill in the Greek, is fu- it, it does not mean do. It means fulfill.
0: To fill up, to be fulfilled, to be complete. The, I think the place where it uh, gets into where people think it means do would be, for example, in James chapter two, it says, you know, Abraham... Uh, offered his son, Isaac, as a something he did. It's a deed. But that deed, that work, was a result of faith. And then it says, and so is fulfilled the, the scripture where it says, Abraham believed, right. and it was reckoned as righteousness. So the idea is, uh, James is talking about Genesis 22, where we, the offering of Isaac, the akidah, and then, but he's saying this is this what we see what we read about in genesis 22 is a fulfillment of abraham's faith now is that the only fulfillment no but i could see how people could say oh well there it is abraham did something it was him doing and he was fulfilling something so I, I can understand why people might want to think that, but here's where it's not helpful because in the same verse, I don't have it in front of me. What is it? It's Matthew five seventeen. 17. Right. Um, if in that same passage, um, if you continue on, it says, That's the point. Um, and this is where I want to take it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whoever annuls one, um, but it said in verse, uh, whoever keeps and teaches. So the word keeps there in verse 19 is does whoever does and teaches shall be called great in the kingdom so um now yeshua did not sin so he was obedient so we're not saying that he was not obedient of course he was obedient um but if you look at if you just look at that verb in matthew it's often scriptures being fulfilled not commandments like for example uh, his name, you shall call his name Emmanuel, right? Well, they don't literally name Yeshua Emmanuel, but they, but it says, and so was fulfilled, right? He will be called a Nazarene. Which, what does that mean? That not uh, Netzer and I think it means Netzer from Isaiah eleven. He will be a called the branch. Well, they didn't go around calling him that, you know. So this fulfillment or out of egypt i called my son right which is from hosea so they said this is the fulfillment of that so fulfill has a it's not just it's too i think it's unhelpful to to insist that it just means to do because throughout this context yeshua uses verbs for to do and they're not uh, he didn't choose the verb to do here. He uses the word to fulfill.
1: So, uh, another, I've I've actually I'm actually writing down things for our next show because there's so much that we're trying to talk about in this in one show we're not gonna be able to get to it. Chris, I see your comment about what does it, uh, what does Paul mean when he says Yeshua was born under the law. We're gonna have to do that one next week. Uh, for now, let's read this whole context because I think that Yeshua gives specific t- markers in in this passage. So, Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away. So, right here, and this this basically means forever. Right? This is, he's he's saying forever. So, until heaven and earth passes away, not Neota or a dot will pass away from the law. Until all is accomplished. Now, there are people who believe that everything, that, they're, that all prophecy has already been accomplished. I'm not one of them. I think that Yeshua will sit on the throne in Jerusalem, in the third temple, and that he will reign as Zechariah t- tells us. If that is the case, all is not accomplished. Now, all in terms of salvation and his, and his death on the cross is accomplished, but that was accomplished from the foundation of the world. So says Revelation, right? So until heaven and earth passes away and until all is accomplished— both of these things have not happened. So guess what? The law is still in act today, and not one stroke has dropped away from it. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, what is he saying here? I think he means that unless it's a heart issue as well, you do it with, with heart with the right heart, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so I think it's not the onus is not on us to say that you know to show how fulfill what fulfilled here means. Yeshua describes exactly the Torah is still an act today. It's an act until heaven and earth passes away, and it's an act until all is accomplished. So you put all these things together. Fulfill cannot mean that he is the law and we no longer have to keep it. It means that he makes complete what the law couldn't. In other words, that. He makes it righteousness. If, if you don't have Yeshua, you can't do anything. You can't do anything righteous, right? It's only when we have Yeshua that all of a sudden we can keep the law and that we're not under the curse of the law.
0: Here, here's another place that is, is important to bring in is Romans 13. So he says, owe nothing. So be ob- have no obligation. So this is uh, Ophelo has to do with obligation to anyone except to love one another. So Paul's saying that's your your core ongoing obligation right. is is the love commandment twenty four seven. Whoever loves his neighbor has fulfilled the Torah. Right. Okay. So the the fulfilling of the Torah here doesn't mean it's now done. Like I my obligation is now over with. Like you know I owed ten dollars and I gave the ten bucks. Now the obligation ceases. That's not what this means this is an ongoing obligation and then he says for all these commandments adultery murder stealing covetousness etc or if there's any other commandment it is summed up in the saying, love your neighbors yourself that's leviticus of course love does no wrong to your neighbor. love is the fulfillment of the torah so here's an example where uh we could we do have a, a, a mitzvah a, something to do that is tied in with the concept of fulfilling but the doing this is a repeat uh, any one instance where i show love for another that is genuine that is you know shema first love my neighbor second like it uh any one of these are going to look different from each other but there's going to be a core obligation that is behind them all and that is love and that for that if that's legit that means it's born out of legitimate new birth love of god right. according to the shema right so the fulfillment is an ongoing goal in this regard when it comes to a commandment but the fulfillment related to where back to Matthew if we want to stick to Matthew and he says thus it was fulfilled out of egypt i called my son that's a that's not an ongoing thing That's a fulfillment of of a prophetic understanding of the prophet that Yeshua was going to go down into Egypt somehow like uh, to somehow paralleling uh, Israel in Egypt and then coming uh, back to the land. So that's a one-time fulfillment. That's not an ongoing obligation. It's not even a commandment, but it's still using the language of fulfillment. Right. So when we think of fulfillment, it needs to be broader than just doing. But there are times where it, it does kind of come into the same sandbox. And that's what we see like in the Romans 13 passage. But the fulfillment is, um, is not a one-time thing over in this case. It's an ongoing obligation. It doesn't cease. The command to love God and to love your neighbor is not something you check off and then you're done and then you, you're you're no longer obligated,
1: right? Okay, let's uh, move on. I hope that clarified. Um, I you know my point is is just go back to what Yeshua says. He doesn't stop at seventeen; he goes on through twenty and keeps going. Right. Uh, this is the interesting thing is that this is smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, one of the things that uh, I've heard argued is that this is only given to the Jews. Well, if that's the case, then is the rest of the Sermon on the Mount not for the Gentiles? Anyway, okay, let's move on. Um, so this is going to be a good time to plug uh, our conferences in Colorado. We have two mini-conferences coming up in Colorado. One of them is in Denver, and the other one is in Colorado Springs. Uh, Rob will be teaching at both of those. He's going to be teaching the same lecture at both of them. So um, if you want to come to one and can't mi- and can't make it to the other, that's totally fine because you're going to hear the same lectures in both places. So we did that just so that people didn't have to drive a really long ways. Um, anyway, uh, you can hear Rob teach on the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a great time, and uh, you can learn all about those conferences uh, either on the Torah Resource Facebook page. Uh, we've made them as events. Or you can learn about them on tourresource.com. With that said, he's going to be teaching on the Holy Spirit. And last week we talked about the Holy Spirit. So priming the pump a little bit. My father will also be, Tim Heg will also be teaching um, a session as well. So Rob will teach a session. My dad will teach a session. We'll have Q&A. And then we'll also have a time just to chat and, and uh, the staff at Torah Resource. Uh, the entire staff will be in Denver uh, the entire staff minus Michael Gonzalez will be in Colorado Springs. so um, And that just has to do with flight, his, his flight and, and stuff like that. Anyway, um, so we got a great call from someone this past week who was taking issue with, uh, with maybe uh, one of the things that I said. And basically, it was the idea of the second indwelling. Now, let me explain this. They, they said maybe I, I was uh, a little frustrated with the charismania. Uh, no, that's I think it was more just, uh, you know, that's the way I talk when I get excited. <laughs> I'm not frustrated with the charismania uh, as much as people might think. Um, but with that said, uh, uh, this person was was suggesting that in certain passages, I'll give you these passages. For those who don't get our show notes, get ready with a pen and pencil. Um, they said that in Acts 8, 14 through 17, Acts 9, 17 and Acts 19, 20 through, uh, I'm sorry, two through six, people ask, have you received the Holy Spirit? And, uh, then they lay on of hands and they receive the Holy Spirit. So it must've been something that could have been seen and that, um, it sounded like I wasn't, uh, you know, I was kind of discounting the second indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Okay. This is a great comment, and I want to clarify this um, as well. I don't believe in a second indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I wonder how many emails I'm going to get on that one. So once we have faith, we have the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is what draws us and and brings us to, to Christ. And so the Holy Spirit indwells us in a saving way. We become the temple of the, of the Holy Spirit when we accept the Messiah as our Lord and Savior. Okay, so that's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's read some of these passages. And um, basically, actually, I don't have this up here. Let's see here. I think it's in Acts. This is a passage that was not brought up, but in Acts eight. Now, before everybody starts freaking out in the chat room, just give me a second here. Um, in Acts 1.8, he, he tells them, first of all, you're going to stay in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit, Okay. And then uh, he says in 1, eight, but you will receive power when the Holy uh, Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay. So the question is, did, were they, did they already have the Holy Spirit? And my answer is, yes, they already had the Holy Spirit. There's not a second indwelling. They're already indwelled with the Holy Spirit. But rather, the Holy Spirit enables them to do something. And that is to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, Samaria and, to t- and to the ends of the earth. In other words, the Holy Spirit, In a, it's not that they get refilled. Like, uh, I was full, but there was a hole and the Holy Spirit, you know, kind of left and now he has to come back in. No, they're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And... When the Holy Spirit comes upon them, he comes upon them to do a work. And that work is the, is a specific work, to be a witness and to fulfill what Acts is all about, which is taking the, the gospel to the nations, not just to the Jews. Okay? So now let's go to some of these passages that this person uh, brought up. So Acts 8, 14 through 17. I think it means to equip them to then go, go and give the gospel to other people. It's like if I, my father gave me this analogy, if I have, if I have work I need done and I, and I have uh, you know a bunch of people that are, are with me and I have $100 and I give each person $5, now they can go and they can spend the money to get the work done. So in other words, I give them money to do something specific. Acts 9.17, so Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens after this? Paul becomes the greatest uh, witness to the nations. He wrote a significant portion, and, and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to, uh, to go and, and give the gospel to the nations. So this is once again a specific. Uh, uh, the Spirit comes upon him in a specific way. This is my understanding. I, prove me wrong. I, I mean, that's totally fine. I just I wonder if we have had a misunderstanding of what's going on in Acts um, before. And finally, and this is probably the the uh, the biggest one in weight of what I'm saying. Acts nineteen two through six, and he said to them, "Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed?" And they said, "No." We have not even heard that the, that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then? Were you baptized? He said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is, that is Yeshua. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Yeshua. And w- when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And here we go. What happened? They began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Well, why would they begin speaking in languages that they that they don't speak? So that they can take the gospel to the to the nations. So that the, so that they they're empowered now to go. They have a special work. The Holy Spirit comes on them in a special way. A way to receive to, to take what they what they now have and give it to other people. Now I'm not saying that this doesn't happen today. I think this does happen today. But I think that the initial, you know, wait in the wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I think that this is a specific mission that for that time to, to spread the gospel in ways that uh, to to all the nations, right? And where does where does Luke leave uh, leave us in Acts? He leaves us with with uh, this mission being accomplished in the cent- in the center of the world at the time, Rome, right? Paul is is on house arrest in Rome. So the point is, is that we may still see this same kind of thing today, uh, you know, people uh, going into uh, the bush and meeting uh, uh, natives that, that have never seen, you know, the outside world or cannibalistic tribes or or even going into remote places and, and the spirit leading them. The spirit certainly leads and the spirit certainly comes upon people to accomplish uh, a spe- special and specific tasks, just like... Um, he did in in Acts. But my point is, is that in Acts, it seems like this is a uh, widespread, in other words, the Spirit is moving in huge ways in many people so that this message can get out to all of the nations. Whereas right now, it's, it seems to be more of a much more specific thing. The Azusa Street revivals, down in, you know, even in San Francisco, I brought this up last week, San Francisco with the, with the Jesus Freak movement, and and how that kind of took took uh, you know Wilkerson and all these guys who did great things for missions. Now I haven't looked at the chat room. I'm sure I'm just getting obliterated by people. What are your thoughts on this, Rob?
0: I have I'm getting that echo again. I don't know why that's happening. Big slap back. Um, one verse that comes to mind is First Corinthians 12. <clears throat> Twelve three, He says, I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God can say Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So if we read that and we say, "Okay, that's true. But then we also hear that there's people who in Acts that have been baptized in the name of Yeshua, but had not received the Holy Spirit. Well, how does this make sense? And what about the disciples waiting like we talked about waiting for? Uh, power on high waiting for Shavuot between the time where Yeshua ascended and um, Shavuot or Pentecost. Did they say Jesus was Lord? Well, absolutely. It, well, here Paul says they couldn't say that unless they had the Holy Spirit. So my understanding is, I think right along with yours, is that Acts it, talking to us about a specific work of the Holy Spirit that has to do with, that differentiates the mission that Yeshua is gonna send his disciples on, that is the carrier, the, the, the foundational carrier of the blessing of the Abrahamic covenant, the promise of the gospel, that in you all the nations of the world would be blessed. That's why we see whenever people are given the Holy Spirit in Acts, it results in more believers, right. more people hear and believe, but the book of Acts, and we talked about this last week a little bit, the end of Acts, Paul is preaching from the scriptures to Jews. And he's arguing, you know, and he's just, it's, it's not, uh, and he has the Holy Spirit. And he's just reasoning from the scriptures. He's arguing from the scriptures. He, he's not conveying some kind of supernatural experience or uh, personal high spiritual uh, ecstasy or anything like that. That's not what it is. And then, when those who refuse, when some of the Jews, some believe, some don't, the, against the one who, who who don't, he cite he says the Holy Spirit was right when he spoke through the Isaiah the prophet, and then he quotes Isaiah six, but he says it's the Holy Spirit. So, the the work of the Holy Spirit described in Acts, for the most part, in my view, is the the a specific empowerment related to the mission of spreading the word the 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 gospel message that yeshua is lord that yeshua is king he's on the throne of david he is like matthew starts son of david son of abraham and the whole history of the abrahamic promise the history of israel is all packed in to this that one day you know all the nations of the world will be blessed so and, and that's that, that empowerment to fulfill that. So uh, Gary,
1: Gary, Gary in the chat room, he says, So we, never, uh, we are never filled more than we originally were, yet we pray to be led, directed, empowered. All demonstrate a relying on the Spirit to be I like active, that. not passive. Is that about right? I, full disclosure here, okay? So this, uh, this whole th- theological idea of the Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit Especially in acts is a bit new to my understanding. My father taught on this, and uh, he was very specific in his wording on on how he uh, how he presented this when he presented it, and the first time I heard it was in uh, was in Ontario and a little bit before that um, so recently, and the first time I had heard that, it was kind of like a hmm I've never really thought about that I've never really thought about." How, can we be more filled with the Holy Spirit than we are at one point? In other words, when the, when the Spirit indwells us, can we be indwelled more by the Spirit? So that was, that was a new concept, and it was a recent concept that that, that, uh, I was, uh, that I had to think about. And my answer was, I don't know. So with that being said, I talked to my father a bit more. He kind of explained his position, and I still had the, hmm, okay, that's interesting. I don't know. Now, what's really made me—so uh, I will admit that I, I don't want to be fully dogmatic on this. I don't want people to think that this is like, this is how it is, you must believe. You know. No, I'm, I, I'm still working with a lot of this in my mind, and I'm still trying to, uh, to understand uh, basically what the Scriptures say. Now, what has solidified this a little bit more for me is I'm actually doing a personal study right now in the book of Acts. And what many scholars have have really talked about, uh, every scholar that I've read so far has a section of their commentary, their introduction to Acts, on the genre of Acts. Now, who cares, right? Who cares if it's novel or if it's biography or if it's historiography or if it's, you know, monograph or, you know, who cares, Right. Well, actually, so that's that. That was kind of what I thought in the beginning. Like, why are all these scholars spending twenty pages each, you know, on on what genre this is? How come on? Talk about nerding out. Well, that, but this is actually one of the one of the main points of what the point of Acts is, and and why Luke writes in the style that he writes. So, if it's biography, who's it a bi- bi- biography of? Is it Paul? Is it Peter? Is it dual biography? You know, is it Stephen? And one of the problems is, is, that, is that it's not written like biography in all the places. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, tell us you know, about Paul before, before uh, the first instance. I think it's in 9 where Saul is, is holding the garments of people stoning Stephen, right? And wouldn't it be nice to know who this guy is? but he doesn't do that. So this this isn't exactly like biography. And most modern scholars, not all by any stretch of the imagination, but most modern scholars believe that it's his, histo historical monograph, meaning that it's history with a specific purpose and goal. Now, why am I talking about all this? Why is this a, a rabbit trail? Well, the point is is if we step back and we say the monograph portion of uh, part of acts is that is that Luke is attempting to show a specific work within the whole book. The overarching theme of the book is the gospel to the nations, taking the gospel from Jerusalem and from the Jewish people and now spreading it like wildfire all
0: over the nations. Well, no, wait a minute. Wait. Not from the Jewish people. I agree. From Israel. Why, well, why do I have to say that? It's The gospel message has to come from, it starts with Yeshua, Absolutely, and the reason I say this is because there's different Jewish groups in the first century. They're not Absolutely. all not all messages are equal. Not all Jewish messages for the world in the first century are equal, or even pro, or even good. I agree with you, but Paul, in, said, in other words, so so there. That's why I just want to clarify that point. I agree. They're not preaching the gospel from Qumran or from the the Sadducees or the Essenes or you know. But so. but
1: all these. But hang on, would you say that pe- that uh, that people from all these groups. Became believers.
0: Well, I hope so. We, we don't have any record of Sadducees. We know Pharisees became believers. The reason I say uh, fr- the reason I say from, from the, the priests, Jew- we know that there are priests that lots of priests that became believers. True. So, so so yes, that so that's the message. Though it's uh, but not all Jewish groups uh, were representing the gospel. That's what I'm wanting to point out. And so yes, Jews all, those Jews that did not uh, were not part of that program. They too. Need to hear and believe the same message,
1: right, right, right. I, 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 I my mind instantly goes to Romans, where he says, "What, uh, what gain then is it to be a Jew? Much in many ways, for we were given the oracles, uh, you know, entrusted with the oracles of God." Um, so, in, in other words, I, I, it's they it's, need to hear about Messiah too. Yeah, right. Okay. Anyway, I stand corrected, and I accept, I accept, accept the correction uh, fully. Uh, so the the message the gospel message goes out from and actually more to your point to support your point we have what seems to be gentiles within the the dis- disciples and the apostles that go that take the message out right so it's not just from the jews it's from it's from Jerusalem though right and now it goes out this is the overarching point of acts and at the end of acts basically i see luke you know why does why does he end where he ends it's a very that's a that's a very interesting question because it seems like Luke knows that Paul is going to be uh, is going to be martyred. He knows that his house arrest ends after two years. He says that at the very end of the book. Well, Paul is in Rome. He's in the center. He's in the capital, right? And now he's teaching anyone who will come to to his house, Jew and Gentile. In other words, in Luke's opinion, it, from the way I see it, in Luke's opinion. It worked. It, it's done. It, it happens. We took it to the to, to the to the capital of the world. Now it's now the whole, so the, if we well, s- and not
0: only that, we know from Romans <clears throat> that Paul wants to go to Spain. Paul, when Paul writes Romans, he has not been to Rome yet, right? Like he wrote he, when he writes Galatians, he's already been there. When right. he writes Romans, he wants to go to Rome. He hasn't yet been to Rome. Right. Once he's, but he's also in the letter to Romans, he's saying he wants to go to Spain. So Paul is. Where does he get this trajectory to keep going further, right? right. And, and, and even the end of, of, so Luke's gospel is, right, two parts, right? The gospel, what we call the gospel Luke and then Acts. Volume one, volume two. Acts begins, back to your point of the genre, Yeshua says, even unto the ends of the earth, so Jerusalem, right, Judea. So he's saying that your audience is even here in Jerusalem, but it's going to expand, extend even to the end of the earth. But the end of Acts, they're not already to the end of the earth. But what we see is that it's Yeshua's words are actually being fulfilled here's our word fulfilled but basically
1: yeah but basically what i see is rome is like the it's like the the hub in the wheel in other words if you make it to rome and people are the way that i see luke's understanding of it is if we made it to rome and we're given the gospel in rome and it's being accepted which he says at the end of acts then boom it goes out it's like the now it's the spokes that are going out in other words we've conquered the hub now the whole wheel gets it it's kind (laughs) of how i see his his end ending so, but the point is, is if we if we see the monograph as this, this traje- trajectory, then my thought is he is what he his whole focus is. If we keep this monograph in mind, his whole focus is the gospel, the Holy Spirit taking the gospel to the nations. So, so I think that that's really what kind of made me uh, sit up and think. Hmm, my dad's point here might actually hold some weight. In other words, if we look at the monograph this way. This is actually what what uh, what Luke might be pushing at. Now, like I've said several times, I'm I don't want to be dogmatic on this at this point. I think that uh, I think that there's some there might be something there, and I think the language used used in Acts is important, and the background of Acts as well is important. Um, I know that we, we're going to have a lot of people who are going to disagree with this, and that's okay. Um, so.
0: I'm, you know, send me emails, and that's actually why this whole- Well, let's let's, let's just make some core points of what, what we embrace, and okay. what we affirm, is that the 66 books inspired scripture. So the the canon itself is the work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Right, and, and so we accept, uh, and someone in the chat room mentioned, oh, you know, reading Paul, and then getting away from the Yeshua's words, we we accept that this is all uh, God-breathed scripture. right? And that, but we know, we also know that at any one time on the chronology of the history of God's people in the world, we didn't have the whole Bible, right? For example, at the time of the Torah, at the time of King David, you didn't have the book of Jeremiah yet or the book of Isaiah. And the time of Jeremiah, you didn't have Daniel or Ezekiel. Right. And at the time of Ezra, you didn't, have all of Chronicles maybe written. I don't know those at the, you know, you have the late exilic early, early uh, second temple period. Um, And then the writings of the apostles and the, uh, like Paul probably wrote most of his letters before a gospel was ever written. So this is the Holy Spirit's moving uh, in all these different people's lives. And each one person doesn't see the whole picture, but they know where they're, They're empowered for a very specific task within the body, but the whole body is governed by the 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 ruach hakodesh. So, for a unified purpose, and and then as time goes on, that solidifies among believing communities into a a canon. So, and
1: uh, one of the things that one of the things that I'm I'm and I know we're coming to the end of our time. So, but one of the things I I want to say I'm still wrestling with this idea of second filling of the, the second filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that this is a thing in the in the charismatic movement, the se- you know, the s- second filling or whatever, but I'm not sure if this is what we actually see in Scripture. That's what I'm wrestling with right now.
0: I think, if I remember, I think John Wesley was one of the Early, I could be wrong because I'm not a historian of of um, you know the this movement. But in in England, in what the 1800s, I think um, wasn't John Wesley in the 1800s? I think the idea of a second, like a a a sanctification, like this. There's this, like people believe, and there's this sanctification that can happen. That's that that's this goal, Um, and then once you have that, you Now, I know that there's splits in doctrines. Does that mean you never sin again or sin goes way down? And I know that there's different movements. I know the Nazarene movement, Nazarene churches, uh, has its genealogy in that discussion, in that movement. Um, But, yeah, I don't don't see that in the scripture. I know there's the passage in Thessalonians, you know, that people cite. um, But you know, sometimes we're just encouraging, you know, what does it mean if the commandment, again, to me, the commandment, I'm obligated to, to love God. Right. Does that tell me that I didn't love God yesterday? When, when, I'm oblig- when I wake up this morning and I'm, I'm, I'm praying and I, I re- recite the Shema, it says, love God with all your heart. And that's a real obligation, a real commandment for me right now. Do I think, oh, I, I must not have done that yesterday because now it's, it's another obligation. No,
1: so so here's here's it, what it's. I, an uh, And so
0: the same I, way I to be sanctified, if I say, Caleb, be holy for God is holy. Does that mean yesterday you failed and, and now you now it's still something you look forward to. So that's what we're dealing with is is this this nature of obligation to to walk in the fullness of what God's will is for us. But that we're in this world where we're living a life and that obligation goes on and on so I guess I
1: I, I just want to say one one last thing I, I guess for me you know okay you go to the idea of you know I'm praying I'm saying the Shema now this is these kind of things have happened to me I'll be praying and all of a sudden I feel the Holy Spirit you know there's this feeling of of what I would say the Holy Spirit right now would I say I'm filled with the Holy Spirit I I mean wasn't I already filled with the Holy Spirit? That's a question that I'd have. That's one of the questions I'd have. But am I filled more with the Holy Spirit? I don't know. If the Holy Spirit comes upon me in a, in a different way, from what, from what I'm gleaning from Acts, my question is, am I being empowered to do something different and or new and or more? In other words, the filling, quote unquote, filling of the Holy Spirit is not just a feeling, filling, feeling, right? It's not just something I feel. It, it, it's it's something more, right? Or are we saying, or are people saying that a that the filling of the Holy Spirit can just be a feeling? Feeling, it's just something that you feel, it's, and it's, it's nice. It,
0: admittedly, it's difficult to say because the word "feeling," even in itself, is a little bit loosey-goosey in my in my view. Is I agree. It, is that, it? It's a regeneration, right? We learn from Titus, a renewal by the Holy Spirit. Right, so that, what is this? What does it mean to have? Um, well, what did David mean? Leif tohor barali Elohim, create in me a to a, 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 a pure new heart. heart. Yeah, a new heart. What does this? What does it mean? Well, it means it means to have our 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 whole being oriented towards God's purposes and His kingdom values, and to recognize ourselves as by His grace an heir to these promises of the blessing that we are, we have a seat at the table Right. that in the world to come, many will come from the East and West and sit at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that right. we're among that. We're, so, we're among that eschatological community, even I've, though we're still in this world now. And so that's, we can talk about what it means forever and ever and ever, because there's, uh, it's new life, It's it's new birth, it's resurrection. All these different uh, ways that the scripture uses to describe uh, what what this means. So I, you know, I don't want to discount the idea of
1: feelings. I think feelings are very important. and I think that the the Holy Spirit, you know,
0: God uses I think feelings, our feelings are included. I mean, if jo- is joy a feeling?
1: Absolutely, and that's yeah, my point. So joy, I'm not. Yeah. I'm so, not. So, I'm so not joy, saying. Yeah, gratitude. I'm not, yeah, I'm
0: not saying that we shouldn't. We amazement,
1: shouldn't, awe. Um, I what what I'm saying is that I don't think that we should just say oh well you know we need to take feelings out of it and I'm saying feelings not fillings <laughs> uh we need yeah, to take, fi- we need to take feelings out of it no that's not what I'm saying at all you know I I think that uh, the, the lord can use uh the emotions of people and the feelings of people in good ways sometimes they can trick us though and that's 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 where we're coming back to the scripture saying okay can we be filled, now I'm using filled, with the Holy Spirit a second time, a third time, a fourth time, what does that look like? Is it just a feeling uh, that is emotional and those kind of things? Or is it for a specific purpose? Now, I, I think that a lot of people are going to think that I have the answer that I'm going to give you right now. No, I don't. I, I mean, these are genuine questions that I'm I'm asking myself, but I'm I'm asking these questions as I'm going into the book of Acts. So ho- my hope is, is that in my study of the book of Acts, some of these questions might get ironed out in my own mind a little bit, and hopefully you'll hear them in shows to come as well. Please send us emails on this. I want to know what you have to say about this. Do you think that we can be filled a second, a third, a fourth, fifth time with the Holy Spirit? What does that look like? Is it just a feeling, or is it uh, more? Is it is it to empower, or is it both? Or is it sometimes a feeling, and sometimes it's empowerment Tell me what you think and you can do that by giving us a call 253-465-3205. That's just a comment line. You won't talk to us. 253-465-3205. We really have been appreciating everyone who's been calling in. It's great to hear Oh, Perry, I got right.
0: I got to say something. Go ahead. Uh, uh, Alyssa just she just made a great point. She says I found that when I have a feeling or a urgency in my heart, most of the time it's not of God. I think that is such a a great discernment that she's sharing there. We are called to take every thought captive to Messiah. Right. So we by the, so there's a, just want, just to come back to the Ruach HaKodesh, one of the, fun, and this gets to our first uh, Kenny or, or Carmi, whoever the, uh, that wonderful brother left that enthusiastic message for us. The idea of the discernment through the Ruach as to what is of God and what is of not. Right. What is not of God. And we're supposed to discern if we should be able to see over time of our discipleship to Yeshua, we should be able to see an increase in discernment of works of the flesh and an increase in the, the strength and power and authority to cut them off and to say no. And, yeah. And, and, and to recognize that. And so Absolutely. I just wanted to say. Thanks for sharing that thought. That was a, a so, great point, Alyssa.
1: Winston makes this point. He says, you guys have three more shows in the chat room alone. There's no doubt to that. The <laughs> chat room has been on fire today, which is great. And uh, Peter says, how are we filled continually if we are the temple? Where Where is he residing? And that's kind of my question. That's kind of one of my questions. So tell us what yeah. you think. Peter
0: says, we are. Kepha says, we are living stones right. built into the house of... What, well here it goes back to this. I'll just uh, Galatians he says he sent the spirit of his son into our hearts whereby we cry abba father. father that right. abba father that is the core voice of worship. Right. of of God that is eternal. If you have that, if the spirit of his son is in your heart where you by cry where whereby you cry abba father and you're crying abba father that is your that's your birth cry. Of right. the new of your new life and that never goes away that is that is a, a soul new heart new life intention that is focused on God that is fulfilling the Shema and as it grows it will only grow in good fruit to fulfill the Shema and the love of your neighbor and all the commandments that that hang on it and that go that'll go forever so that's the answer is that in a way you're you, you are you are already that living stone, that is part of this temple of worship.
1: Okay, so, um, anyway. so I want to hear what you got, what everybody has to say. There's, we have a really good showing in the chat room today. So there's a lot of chat going on. But if you weren't in the chat room, if you're listening to this later, shoot us an email: c Hag at tourresource. It's c h e g g at tourresource. Dot com. Join us next week because we are going to talk about, and we already have this show uh, pretty much figured out, evil spirits in the Tanakh. Do we see them or not? What about w- women wearing tzitzit? Are we going to, oh, what do we think about no, that? We didn't get to that. And then Galatians four four. what does it mean? Yeshua was born under the law. Boy, the chat room was on fire this week. Thank you so much. We hope that this glorified our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. Why? Only one reason, because Messiah matters.